My name's Rad, and I want to tell you about the Transformers. My curiosity is aroused. Welcome back to Transformers Tuesdays, the fanhole spin-off show where we talk Transformers all the time, every time. I'm Mike, also known as Thunderwing. I'll be your host for this episode. And we've got a special one in store for you this time. As is his custom, Michael Bay has blessed, uh, cursed us? Blessed and cursed us with another live-action Transformers extravaganza. Transformers The Last Night is the fifth film in the franchise... Mother of God, five of these? Like, holy shit. Like, man. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get over it. Um, well, in it, whatever case, as of this recording, the film has opened up in most of the countries that matter. And it's, well, it's not exactly raking in the dough, but it's probably bringing in, like, a respectable amount of dough. And uh, we're going to talk about it. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, the base explosions. Um you may recall that in the very second episode of Transformers Tuesdays, we discussed the last live-action film, Age of Extinction. And since I couldn't get any of the other original four uh, fan holes to join me in that discussion, I had to bring in some special guests. Well, I've done the same this time for the last night, so I'm going to introduce you to our panel for this evening. The first is a longtime friend of the fan holes. You can hear his voice in the opening to every episode of Toku Thursdays and Sentai Saturdays. Uh, he may also be known on YouTube as the Javi Drifter. It's Kevin, also known as Professor Smooth on the Bot Talk forum. Say hi, Kev. Hey, hello. Thank you. The next guy on the program could be considered the legendary sixth fan hole. That's right, we call on him when some of us just have to go to a peace conference. Uh, you can currently hear him on the Animated Indulgence podcast, and he's the undisputed master of digibashing. It's Jan, also known as Airhammer. What's up, Jan? Hey there, Internet. <laughs> and finally, a guy who still holds the title of the only bot talker I've actually met in person, and the first guy to make get me to write free comic book reviews for his website. Uh, he currently heads up the Board with Friends podcast, and we all hope that to this day that he makes some more stop-motion animation. It's Zach, also known as Steeljaw. Welcome, buddy. Hey, fun fact, my eyes also change color slightly when I'm being possessed. Awesome. <laughs> don't don't we all like don't we all get different colored eyes when we're possessed or evil? And don't, it's don't, just a different hue, it's not really a different color. Yeah. Are you nemesis sack? Uh, <laughs> only when my kids keep me up at night. Ah, okay. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. I am nemesis Zach. You are nothing. Like I said, we're going to be discussing Transformers, The Last Jedi. I mean, The Last Night. <laughs> I mean, that must have been intentional, right? I mean, they just they just should have had Optimus Prime at the end of the trailer be all like, I only know one truth. It's time for the base explosions to end. I thought it was called The Last Kadingit. <laughs> that too, yeah. 
how many references are in this movie? Know, like we already know like... about that in Suicide Squad. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's like he's just gonna like bite off everything that's like currently in the uh, zeitgeist, as they call it. But um, I'm just gonna give a very brief summary of the plot, and then we'll kind of get into it. Uh, I just pinched this off of Google. Someone took like a whole minute to write it, so I'll just shamelessly steal it. Uh, obviously, there's going to be spoilers for this movie as we get into the discussion. So after this point, I don't want to get any emails complaining about how I didn't warn anyone that should be about something that should be like patently obvious at this point. I already typed up the email. Okay, good. <laughs> You were like, what? You didn't tell me there were going to be spoilers about this movie we're just about to discuss? Like, oh, God. Okay, well. Humans are at war with the Transformers, and Optimus Prime is gone. The key to saving the future lies buried in the secrets of the past. Oh, God, I just got Beast Machines flashbacks. And uh, the hidden history of Transformers on Earth. Now it is up to the unlikely alliance of inventor Cade Yeager, Bumblebee, an English lord, and an Oxford professor to save the world. Also, Megatron is there. The end. So, yeah, that's about the barest bones I could manage. So, you know, I figured I'd just keep this loose and I'd try and just guide the discussion places. And I know I have a lot of criticisms of this movie, so it's probably best to, that we start, like, by asking, uh... What did you guys, like, actually like about this movie? Like, what, what stood out, like, you know, be it scenes, characters, lines of dialogue, visual effects, you know, whatever have you. And I think I will put Kevin on the spot first, because I know he had some nice things to say about it on the Bot Talk forum. So, what are some of the things you most enjoyed about this film, Kevin? Uh, I gotta dig deep in this one to find stuff that I liked, but... Um... The visual effects were amazing, you know, the, the the best so far. All the Transformers, to me, looked like they were on screen. Um, but the thing that I really, really enjoyed uh, was um, Anthony Hopkins. I thought that his character was just a joy to watch. He was fun in every scene that uh, he was in. He, he literally chewed the scenery. Uh, he was just, you could tell he was having a great time with it, and he saved every minute of the movie that he's in. I love that guy. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Like, I think him and Cogman were, like, my, like, standout part of this movie, basically. Uh, like, what about you, Zach? Um, I think I, I, I would definitely echo what Kevin just said. But there's one scene that stood out to me. This was the only moment in the theater that I actually laughed out loud. Uh, despite all the dick and fart jokes and everything else that was really annoying about it, um, there's a scene at the castle where... Anthony Hopkins, who I forget what character he played. Honestly, I don't care. Um, but it was Anthony Hopkins, and he was awesome. Sir, sir something or other. Sir something or other. And uh, Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark, were walking. And Cogman is walking with them. And he's got the dog on a leash. And as a person who owns a dog, this was hysterical to me. Because the dog walks behind Cogman, and he has to do that twist to get the dog leash in the right spot again. And it was hysterical. I'm like, this is awesome animation. This is a great character moment for Cogman. Rest of the movie, I, I don't really have much else to say. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jan? Yeah, uh, oddly enough, I would say the same thing. Hopkins and Cogman were pretty much the highlight of the film. I want to say a little bit of Hot Rod for what little we saw of him, simply because we have the whole joke of him being French, or, or at least liking to talk in French and use the accent 
but uh, he actually does just kind of speak normal English American. Uh, uh, I I know from some reviews that a few people found the humor from Cogman to be a little uh, uh, cringeworthy at times, like when he was doing the dramatic music, but. That was getting the most giggles out of me, really, uh, while also cringing at the same time. Uh, Anthony's character was pretty good. Um, For the most part, regarding everyone else, like, okay, uh, Mark Wahlberg was all right. Um, Isabella was uh, kind of unneeded, in my view. And then um, Vivian was... uh, better for the lead female i feel uh when you do comparison to uh rosie and uh megan and so forth the, the yeah the human cast was pretty good yeah there, there was no one in the human cast that i really like couldn't i guess couldn't tolerate basically so in uh the second two movies and like revenge and dark of the moon i was uh, man, like I, Shia LaBeouf really started to like go past his expiration date in those movies for me. But like, yeah, uh, <laughs> Dark of the Moon when he's just roaring outside his car window, uh, yeah, that got irritating fast. Yeah, I don't. One <laughs> one other thing, like I, I don't know why, like I was just oddly happy to see him, but like I was glad to see Wheelie for some reason. Like I, I don't know, like I. I have, a, I have, like, a bizarre, like, soft spot for him. Like, he's a mini, like, Joe Pesci or something. Like, and I just like the way they animate his face. And, like, I, I don't know. Like, when I saw Wheelie, I was like, oh, hey, it's Wheelie. Like, okay. Like, and I, I don't know. Like, just for some reason, like, he, oh, it, uh, the humping Megan Fox's leg part aside, like, I, he always kind of made me laugh in those movies. Like, uh, and I think it's revenge when they get dumped out of the space bridge and you just hear Wheelie in the background go, Hey, that freaking hurt! Like, I don't know, like, I, I just find him funny. So, like, I, that was kind of, I wasn't expecting him to show up either. So, I guess I was kind of oh, like, he oh. died in the third one, didn't he? Yeah, like, I, I, I thought so. Like, him and, what's this, <laughs> the other one? Him and the other one. Brains. Like, yeah. Brains. They, they crashed into yeah. the water or whatever, and, you know, but... I guess it well brains was an age of extinction, so I guess like they must have survived. So <clears throat> yeah, that's oh what gets, yeah, he was in the scene there. That's what gets really weird about this film. It's like all of a sudden we're just seeing that Wheelie and um, Top Spin and Roadbuster are alive because we assume they died in Age of uh, Age of Extinction or sometime off screen like a few other Autobots, and now here they are alive and well. And then Brains, who they rescued in Age of Extinction, doesn't make an appearance at all, which, yeah, was confusing. Yeah. Um, I wonder if Wheelie's cameo was supposed to be Brains, because that would make sense to me. They did rescue him. Yeah. I don't know. And they just decided to use Wheelie instead. Yeah. I don't know. Some like I guess we'll get into it later, but some of the continuity, I guess, with between movies is a bit loose and doesn't mm-hmm. make a lot of sense in places but uh honestly like i'm kind of struggling to think of other things that really like <laughs> stood out to me other than what we've already mentioned basically i mean you may some like i said some of the references to both g1 and and movie continuity should have been like nice moments but they for one reason or another they weren't so i don't know anything else like you want to say positive before we start like ripping into things 
Well, I, I, I like the return of Lennox and Simmons, uh, even though they didn't do a whole lot. Um, Simmons, I was hoping, would get more screen time because I really did enjoy the character quite a bit. Uh, I was, like, again, more continuity issues. Uh, you have uh, Joshua Joyce, uh, that character from the last movie by uh, Stanley Tucci, who doesn't make an appearance in this film either. Uh, the the actor is used, but as Merlin. Oh, that was Stanley Tucci? Yeah, it was. Holy cow, that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it was kind of like, I, I like did a double take when I saw him, and I was like, wait, he's Merlin? Like, why? Like, okay. I would have to agree with um, Lennox coming back was a highlight. Like, there's an entire bit in the almost first seemingly 10 hours of the movie uh, where... Uh, Lennox and Morshauer are discussing like the Decepticons and how they're tracking Barricade and you know Barricade's up to something and for some reason Barricade's alive. Um, but basically, <laughs> it was just it, it was a nice moment because you get to see the humans actually you know looking for the Decepticons and discussing what a threat they are. And I was like, wow, this is actually kind of cool. And the whole time it's cutting to Barricade doing stuff, you know, looking for things. And um, it, it was just a neat moment to watch on screen. And then it all goes downhill. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. Like the U.S. military recognizes who they are. He, they know that they are individuals now. They're not just they're all the same. They, they were naming Barricade. They weren't just saying Decepticon number 0003 or whatever that we saw or NBE1 or any of that nonsense they were using his name which I liked and then that scene with uh, Megatron and the lawyers to me was also <laughs> kind of cool <laughs> I, I was like when I watched that scene I was like oh great are we going to get like Decepticons with actual like personalities or something in this movie and well, they oh. had personalities yeah. yeah for like the you know five minutes for a minute. they were around yeah basically but that was that. That's my. Uh, I guess this could segue into the negative, but there were moments in this movie, just like the last three or four, or all of them really, where I'm like, "Wow, that's that's a cool moment," and then it's ruined three seconds later by something else. Like all that that whole Suicide Squad moment with you know Megatron asking for his troops to be free. He's discussing with the lawyers. The lawyers are afraid of Megatron. The juxtaposition of seeing Megatron yelling at the lawyers is great. And, you know, you see these badass Decepticons who aren't, you know, anything from G1. Who cares if they're made up characters except for Onslaught? But they all die 10 minutes later. So what was the point? What was the point is a very <laughs> running theme in a lot of these movies. <laughs> I've said it of at least two through five now that there's a pretty good 90 minute movie buried in the two and a half hour plus running time you'd have you, you gotta shave off all that like masturbatory like military stuff that bay <laughs> loves like shooting you know like do we really have to see like the entire like opening like or starting operational thing for a submarine like really like is that really necessary i don't I want to see I the four star guys redub the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> that would be great it's true if michael bass taught us anything it's that yeah i'm a truck that's what Michael Bay taught me. Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift. The fire coming out of the stacks looks so fucking cool. So I guess I guess yeah, that that's kind of I mean, if you guys think of anything else, like feel free to like say it later. But I I think we're 
I think we should cross over into the, you know, the dark side now. And, you know, really tear this movie a new asshole because, honestly, like, it kind of deserves it. Like, I did not like this one in general. Like, putting aside the fact that, like, you could make an argument that any five of these movies are bad movies. And, like, I don't... I'm I'm pretty easy on them. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like, look, like, I've... I've watched Armada, I've watched Beast Machines, like, these movies, like, can't really hurt me, basically, like, they, that's the way, the way I kind of look at it, whereas, like, I've seen worse Transformers fiction, so, I mean, I... I Alright, I, I will point out, I think Beast Machines is way better than this stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you that, but, like, I'm, I'm saying, like, in the lower echelon of stuff, like, I'm like, I, I think I've seen... Or in red, like, worse things than this. But uh, taking, like, the movies as, like, the standard, basically, like, this would probably be my, like, second-to-last, like, liked one. Like, I, Revenge of the Fallen is at the very bottom, but this is probably, like, number four And like, if I ranked them all, basically. Like, I don't know what it was, but the plot... I don't... I don't know, like... What I was expecting, basically, here here are the two things I was expecting from this movie. Once like all the tra like the trailers started to be released and the press started to be released, first of all, they said that Optimus Prime was going to be like evil in it. Like all the posters had the friggin' purple-eyed Optimus Prime, and you know it was all like you know Optimus Prime is going bad or whatever. So I and once they said Megatron was in it, I, I was thinking, oh. Maybe they'll take a page from, like, the IDW comics, and, like, the Autobots will have to team up with Megatron to be Evil Prime. And I'd be like, that would be kind of cool. That does not happen. Okay, then they say, like, the, the press and stuff said, oh, Hot Rod's gonna be in it. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, well, that means maybe if Optimus is going evil, they'll introduce Hot Rod... And Hot Rod will be, like, you know, either become Rodimus Prime or be, like, you know, the new leader. And, you know, and I was kind of like, whoa, what, if Galvatron is still around, it would be Rodimus Prime versus Galvatron again. And then that does not happen. So, like, like right off the bat, like, my expectations for cool things were not fulfilled. So that's probably, like, you know, a, a huge part of why I found this movie really dissatisfying. But I don't know. Do you, do you any of you have, like, thoughts in that vein? <sighs> Yeah, like they they will try to incorporate certain plot points from the cartoons, uh, but it will be very vague. You might see something cool in the trailer that doesn't really turn out so much in the actual film. So in this case, we have the evil Optimus, and my first thought came to Dark Awakening, where Optimus is reprogrammed by a Quintesson, which of course is technically what happens here. But instead of him being dead and brainwashed, he's just, you know, slightly reprogrammed and becomes good again after, like, five minutes. And then the whole Unicron thing in the film is obviously nodding towards Transformers Prime, where we have a similar uh, thing happening with uh, Unicron is Earth. And I guess they'll have to develop that in some way. They didn't really capitalize on it in Prime. So I'm not sure what they're going to do for the upcoming movie sequels. Well, I'm hoping Unicron doesn't transform in the sequels because we're all dead if he does. <laughs> yeah. Um, on Animated Indulgence, we have done Steven Universe, and I have been noticing similarities between the two lately, which is kind of weird. Um, I've compared the whole thing of Unicron being Earth to the cluster in Steven Universe 
And then in the film, we had the uh, the combiner Infernocus, who is supposed to be made out of... Well, uh, okay, for those that know the toy, it's supposed to be five different Infernocons that form one creature. And in the movie, it's like they took the character Skulk, just made seven of them, and combined them together into Infernocus instead. And that made me think of the gems from Steven Universe that can all combine with each other. Um, such as the uh, the five rubies, for example, for those that know what I'm talking about, that turn into one bigger ruby. Fra- frankly, I was impressed that that thing even got a name in the movie. Like, like yeah. Meg- Megatron actually calls him by name, and I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I actually I, liked that. Yeah, like, oh, I was like, they're, I was, they're I was, referencing Infernicus. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, wow, okay. Like you're actually like naming your cannon fodder. Like that's got to be a step in the right direction, I guess. But I guess yeah, that 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 kind would kind of lead into like what you were just saying earlier that, you know, like the the Decepticons, like they make this yeah, there's this like Suicide Squad esque like recruitment slash roll roll call scene. And, you know, you get introduced to these, like, five, like, you know, Decepticons that Megatron wants in his crew. And, like, they virtually, like, go down, they they go to the junkyard where the Autobots are all hanging out. And, like, they all get slaughtered, basically. Except, I think, like, Megatron, Barricade, and uh, Nitro Zeus all get away. But that's about it. Yeah, uh, Onslaught, from what I can see, was killed. Uh, Mohawk was blown apart but still alive. And I don't really know what happened to Dreadbot or Berserker, uh, but I'm well, assuming Berserker didn't that they... go with them, right? I can't remember. Oh yeah, they, the, <laughs> was... the lawyers said no. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm assuming that whoever else survived did join Megatron and the others later in the film, but you don't really notice them. Yeah, I was I was kind of sad there was no like. Like, Barricade's been around since the very first movie. I was kind of sad that there was... Aside from, like, Lennox and, like, Morshauer, like, knowing him by name, like, I, I was kind of sad there was no, like, acknowledgement that, like, maybe Bumblebee and Barricade would have some, like, rivalry or bad blood between them or something, because, you know, Barricade's been around for a while, and, you know, his his disappearance from the first movie was, like, a long-standing, like, point of you know, contention with fans, and you think they would, like, say, like, oh, this Barricade's, like, you know, he's been around the block, like, he's, you know, he's been around as long as Megatron has, basically, on Earth, or whatever, but they don't really mm-hmm. do that, like, he's, if if you weren't, if you weren't familiar with it, you would just assume it's another, like, police car Decepticon, almost. Yeah, you, you notice him in the background during, um, uh, the, th- the third film, but then it's pretty much implied that when Optimus comes in and swoops all the Decepticons that he slaughters him, but then here he is returning again, much like a lot of other Decepticon fodder that just kind of reappears. Maybe Barricade is like a James Bond theory. There's more than one (laughs) Barricade. They take up the moniker or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a debate for another podcast, and I still don't believe it. (laughs) Maybe I'm just giving too much credit to this movie. Yeah, I was like, that's way too deep for Michael Bay, yeah. Yeah, like we um, we see a glimpse of an Autobot that looks like a Constructicon in the junkyard for maybe two or three seconds, and then he's never seen again. So yeah, well, I was mentioning earlier how like the references to like you know mythology or continuity, like 
Like, they should be good moments, but they just aren't. And, like, I like, uh, like, Zach, I think you wrote on the board, like, that that moment with Starscream's head, like, made you angry just because it was, like, you know, and I agree with you that it's, like, it wants to be a cool, like, nod to, like, G1 continuity and even, like, to a lesser extent to the movies, but it's not because there's nothing behind it. The end is near, my own treacherous friend. What a shame. You'll be unable to see it. They didn't deserve to make that reference. Nowhere in these five movies was Starscream ever treacherous. He was a whiner in Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, he kind of said two lines in the first one. I don't remember what the heck he did in Dark of the Moon other than getting his eye poked out by Sam and blown up. And as you pointed out, Megatron should not be able to hold his head because he blew up his head. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, I don't know. This movie gets its in its own way of trying to appease the fans, but doing it in a way that's just insulting. Like, we're not stupid. We know what happens previously. Yeah, even well, even when it's trying to be like respectful to its own continuity, it kind of fails. Like where like at the end when Megatron and Optimus are fighting and Megatron's like we were brothers once and I was like when have when has that ever been relevant like in the first movie you kind of said that or something like you go, you guys used to be brothers or something but it it has never been relevant in any of these movies so it I don't know those lines don't land with me they deserve to choose for themselves <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> that line still bothers uh... me I think I kind of I think we I talked with Kevin and Jan about this when we talked about Age of Extinction, but I feel like they put words in like Peter Cullen's mouth that sound cool, but they don't mean mm. anything, or they, they <laughs> they're not like Optimus Prime words. Like I think I think he even Peter Cullen said that like he records like hundreds and thousands of lines of dialogue for these movies. And Michael Bay just decides which ones to use. So clearly, you know, I think Kevin, like you said, like is it a is it a prerequisite that like Optimus Prime say something incredibly like violent in every single movie, like like I'll kill you or you know, you know, give me your face or whatever. I was expecting this to be the one where they just finally had him drop the f bomb. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> do away with anything. It was like, okay, well, we had him threaten to kill you. He's been ripping off faces left and right. He, like, dive-bombed Chicago at one point. It's like, just just do it. Just stick it in there. You might as well. Uh, that was that was kind of groan-worthy at the end when he's fighting. or when, when Quintessa, who we haven't really mentioned yet, which probably tells you how much of an impact she made on us, uh, says, like, you know, or has him at the end, and he's like, let me introduce you to my little friend, Bumblebee. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and then when did Optimus Prime have the, like, luxury to watch... Like, <laughs> Scarface? Little, yeah, Scarface. <laughs> like, I'm going to use that. He was, he was, One of these days, I'm gonna get a chance to use this. He was, he was, he was like, he, he was floating in space for a long time. He probably had to like, watch <laughs> Netflix or something. Space, well, space, yeah, space Netflix. <laughs> reminds me of the description from the first film where they're like, "How do you learn how to speak English?" Oh yeah, we're we got we got it through the World Wide Web. 
We I watched every movie in a super compressed form, like in twenty minutes, basically. Uh, yeah. Would have been pissed about that. Oh man. But yeah, like even like when they like he's redubbed like Nemesis Prime. I'm like, well, I guess that's cool, but like. It doesn't amount to anything. It's just like you know, Optimus Prime runs into the screen, into the scene, and screams like, "I am Nemesis Prime!" and then beats a bunch of people up, and then he runs out, well, and that was it, basically. Well, that statement right there goes along with what Kevin said. It doesn't amount to anything. Another great description of these movies. Like, there's just so much crap thrown at you. you so there, much. There's crap. no substance whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, did, did anyone after watching the movie? And uh, I, I can't blame you if you didn't. But actually, stop to think of just how much of that movie was unnecessary. Yep. Like, did, yep. <laughs> did we need Merlin? Like, what does Merlin contribute to the history of the Transformers? You did not need like magic and drag. You could have had oh, Cybertron is you know inhabited by this ancient creature. She's the creator of the Transformers. She wants to to you know bring life back to Cybertron, and to do that. She has to destroy the Earth because it's Unicron. Like, that's a fine movie. You don't need junkyard people and submarines <laughs> and fucking Merlin. Like, why did you put all that in there? Yeah, uh, for some reason they felt the need to make it that the Witwickies were descendants of Merlin and the Jaegers were descendants of Lancelot. And it goes from there. Why? because they had to put in the extremely vaguest in, uh, implication that a Decepticon in King Arthur's court was a thing. Um, what I, did I'd have be, to happen? No. I'd be very surprised that they knew that episode even existed. Like, but, like, I don't know. That, that just seems... It, it does kind of seem off and wrong to me to have a whole magical subplot in Transformers. Like, like literal, literal magic. Not like, you know... The usual, like, Matrix mystical mumbo-jumbo. Like, literal, like, Merlin, like, knights, medieval, like, magic dragon stuff. Like, that just seems really like a bad mixture to me. I don't know. Well, magic wasn't really a thing. Like, they treated Cybertronian technology as magic, whereas Merlin was described as just a drunkard, which he was. Uh... Everything that was so special about him came from the knights and nothing more. And, um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, like, I, I, I get that, but I, I just mean, mm -hmm. like, the, the, like, when you think of Merlin, like, the whole implication of magic just kind of comes up, yeah. basically. And, like, I don't, that, like, I, I, my mind kind of, like, violently rejects that. Like, like, even, even in that episode, like, what is it, a, a Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court or something? Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, that episode, like, it's a fun, like, diversion or whatever, but I'm kind of like, well, I'm not going to, like, ever think of, you know, Hoist and Warpath going back in time to meet, like, Medieval Knights as a key part of Transformer history or anything, basically. <laughs> if they had just made this movie that episode in live action, I probably would have enjoyed it more, because I love Warpath, and that would have been <laughs> yeah. awesome. See, seeing Speaking of which, Warpath was supposed to be in this movie, apparently, because that old tank that uh anthony hopkins character had lying around on his lawn i guess that was supposed to be an homage to warpath but they decided to name him something else too yeah he's called bulldog and you see him for maybe all of 20 seconds and he never talks <laughs> fantastic
it's funny because after he transforms to his robot mode and they start to discuss him, when they turn back, he's all of a sudden back in tank mode and that's it. He's gone. CGI costs money on, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, another point of criticism I did want to bring up is like all I, okay. I, I liked age of extinction for the most part. Like I'd say age of extinction is right behind like the, the first Bay movie. Like in terms, if I'm ranking the three movies, I think age of extinction is the second best one basically. And the you reason and I would have a very different argument about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's, that maybe that's not popular, uh, popular <laughs> opinion. But the reason I thought that is because the Autobots felt like more like actual characters to me in that movie. Like they all, they, it was a, all five of them felt like they had really distinct personalities. And mm-hmm. I don't know, this movie doesn't do anything with any of those guys that they kind of, I felt like they set up pretty decently in in, in that movie. And you know, like Drift, Crosshairs, Hound, like, I mean, Hound, obviously, you know, it's John Goodman, so all he has to do is talk, and he exudes, like, personality. I'm being ridiculous. How am I supposed to act with a tennis ball? Well, it's just for eyeline. Just pretend it's Josh. Oh, no, no, I'm here, Hound. I don't mind reading with you. You got the real deal. Okay, we'll see you in a Uh, no thanks. I'll stick with the tennis ball. Okay, uh, I'll be right over here. Like, I, I felt I was kind of waiting for like Crosshairs to do something cool because, like, he was probably my favorite of that first pack, but all he did was like get like bitched out by Cogman basically and then say to the 12 year old girl, like, uh, I'm in charge and I'm not your babysitter or whatever. And that's, I mean, that's all I really remember <clears throat> him doing. So I kind of feel yeah. like all those, all those characters they spent a decent time like building up in the last movie got completely like wasted. Yeah, I think the he movie... helped kill Onslaught. Oh, yeah. Mm. like That was like two seconds of screen time, probably. The movie feels like the Bumblebee show featuring Cogman and and special guest Optimus Prime, um, with everyone else just kind of being a side character that doesn't get a whole lot of development. And, uh, you know, I commented on how the Dinobots were used so poorly. Like, at this point, really, should they have even been introduced in the last film? Because they don't use them here for all of a few seconds of one battle. And other than that, we get the little baby dinosaurs. And, um... And she was, yeah. she was, she was like, snuggling with them. I was like, man, that can't <laughs> be comfortable. Like, aren't they made of metal? Like, that's they're not pillow material. I, I was going to ask, were they there to sell plushies or something? And I've never seen them, so... <laughs> I what, know. What purpose did they serve? Absolutely nothing. Like, there are no toys, period, of those three baby Dinobots. And that that also opens up like you know the discussion of like where did they come from like what what how are the Dinobots did the Dinobots lay eggs or something like what the what the fuck man my well, only Jurassic Park on... tells you they'll find a way I guess so yeah life uh, or uh, finds a way yeah in this case I want to just say they're probably protoforms that showed up with the other Autobots and they took dinosaur form I don't know I'm the movies make no sense I'm just Pulling it out of my ass. You know, sticking your protoform with a dinosaur alt mode is like giving your kid a really crazy, unique name. Like, well, that's really going to hurt their career prospects later in life. (laughs) Yeah, like we know from um, very briefly seeing a protoform Decepticon in Revenge of the Fallen that Starscream was tending to, it already kind of had an animal form to itself. 
even though it was probably the size of I don't know your arm. So I don't know. Well, maybe they were in, maybe they were inside lockdown ship because that's what they were using to fly around in the in this movie. They, I I think if I ever have a kid, I'm just gonna name him Grimlocks. <laughs> I tried. My wife wouldn't let us. Nah, I know it was a, it was a noble <laughs> effort. <laughs> Still less annoying than like Aiden. <laughs> yeah. Another character I thought was completely wasted for the most part was Megatron. Like I thought, I don't like Megatron has like no agency in any of these movies. Like after the first one, well, even the first one, he's kind of like he's out of it for the entire thing until the end, and then you know Sam pushes a friggin' Rubik's cube in his chest and he goes <clears throat> and falls over, and then every movie after that he's working for someone else and. I mean, in Age of Extinction, he he was kind of starting to get back on track, but then this movie again, guess what? He's working for another ancient evil, and, like, when did this happen? Why is he not Galvatron anymore? What? It, why is he looking for the pendant and the staff? Like, when did he hear about this? Like, what do we... We kind of want the answers to these questions, but they, they never come. I was hoping one of you could actually answer that question. When did Megatron, in this movie start actually working for the Quintesson. We've seen this picture. I'm not sure if it's supposed to just be real or something somebody made, but it claims that the DVD release is going to have like 40 minutes of extra cut footage. I don't want to suffer through that. (laughs) If that's real, I'm assuming it's answered in there because definitely they cut it from the film. There, yeah, there's like, wasn't yeah. Megatron on Earth to recover the Allspark? Wasn't that the whole reason for for why Transformers are on Earth? But it, in fact, no, they've been there way longer. And no, but then they were on Earth to do the Sun Eater thing. Yeah, there, there's a, a lot of theories going around about how all of the stories from the five films just come together into one. Such as, like, we we have the whole thing with Merlin and his descendants. Okay, so then Bumblebee showed up at some point, and he's been protecting um, the Witwicken family ever since, along with Hot Rod. And then you have the Allspark, who some people are beginning to think it wasn't just fate that it crash-landed on Earth. It was actually attracted to Unicron's energy. And then we know that... Megatron and Sentinel were meant to rendezvous on Earth, and eventually fate brought them both into their different circumstances. <laughs> Megatron and the ice, Sentinel crashing on the moon, and um, <laughs> I love. Uh, um, well, I think I think the short packed guy has like a comic strip where like he dissects this, and it's kind of like like Optimus goes to Megatron, and he's like. You have two separate plans here. One requires me to be dead, resurrecting the fallen. The other one requires me to be alive, awakening Sentinel Prime. Which is it? Oh, I would love to go back to those days where that was the big problem. It was like, yeah, I could see Megatron having two plans. He seems like kind of a schemer. But the whole thing is if if Earth is Unicron, it's Cybertron's ancient enemy. Let's say that it's actually just luck that they shot the Allspark into space and it happened to land on Unicron. Like, oh my God, that that's that's some bad luck. And if it's not just luck, if like Unicron summoned it or whatever, he had it. He had the Allspark for like a billion years. And he's just like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool for now. 
I'll get around to it. <laughs> he was biding his time. It was right there. He is a planet. <laughs> yep. Sitting there while people were still like dying of scurvy and figuring out like what the sun is. Well, and you said it right there. He's a planet. I mean, do you notice when a fly lands you, on you all the time? I mean, how, how would he yes. know? Yes! <laughs> and then I swat at it because it has, <laughs> it has gotten my attention. Maybe, like, over the years, he's been trying to, like, enslave people to get bring him the all-spark, but they don't either cooperate with him or they don't understand him. He's just like, hey, kid, like, I can't move. Like, I'm the planet. Like, go get me this cube. Like, hey, no, 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 go to the right. No, no, you're walking away from me. Okay, clearly there's a communication error here. So let's dissect this whole Unicron and this Earth thing. Forget Transformers Prime. So in this continuity... They reveal Unicron is Earth. Quintessa wants to suck the life force out of Unicron to restore Cybertron for some reason. Sure. Just from a movie standpoint, there's like 27 different plots going on in this movie alone. And one of them is the reveal that Earth is Unicron. Where do you go from here? Because that to me seems like the buildup over like two or three movies and they've already revealed that that's the case, that like this should have been the teaser at the end of the credits, like just seeing the spike come out of the earth or something like that. Not 10, 15 minutes into the movie like it was in this one. So so where do they where are they even supposed to go with this? Plus, if Earth was uh, Unicron and the Autobots and Decepticons, uh, that's their ancient enemy from, who, you know, uh, the Cybertron's past. Why are they defending the Earth, then? Like, shouldn't they have all united together and blown up our planet? The planet deserves to choose for itself. <laughs> oh, don't you dare go there. <laughs> God. When Optimus was, like, you know, to the Fallen, like, you picked the wrong planet! You know, the Fallen should have been like, no, actually, this is the right one. Like, I was, you know, but okay, you're going to kill me, so... <laughs> it's like, I wanted to destroy this planet back when people were still, like, half-evolved from apes. You're the one who kept getting in, getting up my ass, and now there's like stuff that's worth something here. Like, we've been trying to, we've been trying to take over this planet since dinosaurs were walking around. You're the ones who kept slowing down the process. My favorite part was after the movie was finally over. My friend and I are walking out of the theater, and he goes, "So, Unicron is Earth?" And I go, "Yeah." He says, "That's original." I go, "Actually, it's not. None of that was." <laughs> I guess they're, they're, they're stealing, like, I bet, like, I'm sure if they didn't know that, they probably thought that was, like, a huge revelation, but, you know, I, I, I don't give, I don't know if I should give them not enough credit because they actually researched, or too much credit that they thought that would be, they didn't research, and they thought that would be, like, an awesome twist. Hmm. I mean, if you go back to any of the forums or any of the Transformer discussion things, as soon as that happened on Transformers Prime... You had people go, I was like, oh, God, you know they're going to rip this off for the movies. Like, it's just, it's too easy for them to not do it. Yeah, yeah. But the next thing was everybody was complaining about it on the forums. Nobody liked that plot point, from what I understand. Nobody likes so why would you use plot points in Transformers. That's true. <laughs> you, you got a good point there. Difficult to say where the next sequels will go. Like, will the Bumblebee spinoff even be relevant um, at yeah, this rate? 
Let's let's talk a a tiny bit about that. Yeah, like, do you guys, like, I feel like that's a recipe for, like, I I think I called it a recipe for apathy on the boards. Like, because the the description of the Bumblebee spinoff is, you know, it's going to be a girl in her car, and they basically said that Bumblebee is going to be the only Transformer in it. And I'm like, isn't that a step in the opposite direction? Like, isn't that what we don't want to see? Like... I don't know. Do you guys have like any strong feelings on that? I think I heard a description would be uh, that the film is actually set in the '80s. So, are we going to get full-on uh, VW Beetle, Bumblebee, and then the girl in this case will be? I don't know. Let's pull something out and say that it's Carly's mother or something. And what will it have to do with the other movies outside of the fact that we know what Bumblebee is protecting? I don't know. It should have more Transformers in it. The only thing I'm looking forward to is to see what another director can do with this. And I That's think it. he's going to have a difficult time doing it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm um, just, I'm just kind of like, because wasn't the 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 first movie was basically a boy in his car for like the first hour or so. So I was kind of like, haven't you already mm-hmm. done this story before? Like. Oh, the car is magic or something. Oh, the car is an alien robot. Like, oh, we're going to be buddies now, like the friggin' Iron Giant. Like, I mean, where can you go with that? Do you talk? You know, words, blah, 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 like that? Can you do that? Blah, blah, blah? Sting like a bee. No, 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 don't do that. That's the kind of stuff that makes them shoot at you. Okay, yeah, I think I have to correct myself. We know what Bumblebee's mission is, so obviously the girl would be a Witwicky. Hmm. I mean, maybe the girl is a secret Nazi and Bumblebee has to kill her. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard uh, a rumor of the Nazi Bumblebee becoming a figure. Uh, we'll see. After, we'll see. Have to see about that one. I mean, it'll probably be Sam's mom, right? Will be the one getting the the car. Oh dear God. Do we really want her back? Yeah, like maybe Bumblebee gets, you know, Sam's parents together. Maybe that's Bumblebee's whole mission is just to get the Witwickies laid so that the line <laughs> continues. Well, apparently Sam is dead and all the rest of them are too, so he failed. Yeah, that implication, I'm still not sure on that one. Like, yes, uh, Anthony's character, Edmund Burton, says that Vivian is the last... Witwicken. We know that Cemetery Wind did a lot of stuff off screen in the other film, but completely taking out Sam and his parents would be kind of overboard for the story, in my opinion. Like, yeah, you're not going to have Shy on the on in the movie anymore, but do you really have to kill him and not really say it? Well, frankly, like, by, like I said, by Dark of the Moon, I hated Shia, so I couldn't care less if Sam is yeah. dead. However, yeah, it is kind of a disservice to the franchise to just kind of write him off with a, you know, it, with an implication that he's dead. Like, yeah, like, what about Michaela? What about Carly? What happened to them? I get the feeling we're never going to know any of this unless any of these actors are brought back for a future film. Let's hope not. I <laughs> <laughs> can't. Can Sam die? Like, isn't it now if if he's if he gets blown up, like Transformer Jesus is just like, nah, come back. Because <laughs> I mean, he died. Yeah. He died. Transformer heaven, and they're like, nah, yeah. you're good. Go, go back. Kevin Michael Richardson told him he could go back. Yeah. 
honestly, like I said, like I couldn't like at one and one part of me wants me to wants someone to say like certainly for certain like either like oh Sam was killed or Sam and his parents are like in protective custody or something or like they're they're chilling somewhere on some island and you know they're safe. Like I, I would like a definite answer. But like oh, I'm, they were playing basketball with uh, what's his face and uh, topspin. Uh, yeah, they're they're all hanging out in Cuba or wherever that <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, like Sim- Simmons, Simmons saved them. Yeah, that would be nice. But that, right. that's a uh, actually one point I did like that Topspin was there. Like it's implied that a couple of the robots are just hanging out in Cuba. Yeah, and even though that he wasn't named, like he's just like, hey, you're gonna come play ball. Like that was a cool moment. I, I have to admit. Yeah, that, that was kind of because nice. everybody knew who he was. It's like, oh, it's Topspin. Yeah, I was kind of sad. I was kind of sad that like in Age of Extinction, they were kind of like, "Oh, these guys have di- died," and I'm like, "What? Sideswipe isn't dead? Like, fuck you guys! Like, he's still he's still out there somewhere." Like, but yeah, um, it's too good to die. There were some cards that showed up in the last film that indicated who was dead. I know I know Ironhide was one of them, but he died in uh, the third film. And I think we have an implication that Skids and Mudflap died off screen at some point due to comic continuity. Yeah, the the comic adaptation of Dark of the Moon like has definite like they die like Sentinel Prime like yeah. kills the shit out of them like and I I thought that was awesome. But Sideswipe, Dino, and uh, Jolt, Dino. I think are the only ones that we don't really <laughs> know any. I know, I know. Why did they? Change it from Mirage. We'll never know. I, 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 uh, I, I, when I when I first told Derek that, like all those years ago, like Derek said, like man, that's like if you got a like friggin' like Volkswagen and named it Hans or something. <laughs> like I was laughing. <laughs> it's just a testament to Michael Bay's sense of humor that he uh, thinks that's funny. Like that's gonna be a good <laughs> thing for to name it Dino. Yeah, you know, he, he, he doesn't care. No. Even with this movie, before the movie came out, we saw we, we we heard the name Decepticon Nitro, but in the movie it's Nitro Zeus. Like, why the Zeus? Did they really have to call the robot Zeus? It's named after Michael Bay's dog. Ah, <laughs> here Nitro Zeus, here. No, I did, seriously. Oh, <laughs> that, that, you, that's a. Uh, that was actually a moment I kind of chuckled at when they were all like floating and Nitro Zeus just kind of floats up to Bumblebee and Bumblebee just headshots him. <laughs> like uh, I was kind of like, "Oh, that's the end of him." He was a good Decepticon, I must say. Yeah. The toy looks I pretty mean, decent. <laughs> they literally have hundreds of names to choose from in canon. Mm. Why do they feel to like Mohawk? Yeah, okay, that's a great um, name for Decepticon. Like Nitro Zeus, I don't even know what Nitro Zeus means. The the only named you know the only original name they took was uh, onslaught and they killed him. I think as one person put it on Facebook, it's a good thing that they're using original characters as they're not doing a disservice to the official characters. Guess, All right, I, yeah, I guess I can agree with that. Yeah, like I, I for the most part I can agree with that, but that that like that's like a double edged sword. Like you also like don't care if they get killed basically. Yeah. Too, so. It's the G2 syndrome. You know they're going to die because they're a new character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. As soon as like they're they, not on toy shelves anymore, it's like, you're out of here. Like Larry yeah, La- Larry Hama in like Battle Force 2000 or whatever. Like, can I kill them off yet? Yes? Okay, they're all dead. 
My team, my team is dead. Actually, I'd probably have more respect if they had used character G two characters to do this kind of thing. Yeah, that would have been neat. Right? Hmm. Hey, well, they killed Leadfoot off in Age of Extinction, so that's true. But then again, that wasn't—I guess that really wasn't the same Leadfoot, like not even like homage-wise, but. And presumably, uh, his dog Steeljaw. Oh. <laughs> oh well. Didn't they? Uh... Um, you know, remember in Age of Extinction, Lockdown had all those, like, robot wolves or something? Weren't yes, they named them Steel Jaws. Yeah, I was going to say, weren't there other Steel Jaws in the movie franchise? I actually own one of those. My my kids gave me the uh, the one-step changer for Christmas one year. Mm. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the thought that I, got, I, I got three Steel Jaws that year. I got the Age of Extinction one. I got the uh, the new Robots in Disguise one. And I got the, the Legends class one. Like I am louse with steel jaws now, and none of the other ones I like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of felt like it's not related to the movies, but I kind of, I saw that new masterpiece like Night Stalker, and I'm like, oh man, poor Zach. Like they, like he, they make a masterpiece steel jaw mold, and they're not even gonna paint it as steel jaw first. Oh yeah. Hopefully that comes out. Yeah, I'm hoping that that, that that's a, that's. A, indicative of like you know maybe a blaster or something but i think the sixth movie will be a mess and this is (laughs) and this is coming from somebody that usually has something positive to say just the way that they have set up the end of this film i do not see where they can really get this whole unicron and quintessa thing to go i think the story will be horrible and the director really has a hard time of getting this one off the ground it's like I could even write the movie right now. It's going to be uh, Optimus will probably at some point fight off against Unicron Prime style the way that they did on the cartoon. And then he's probably going to use the Matrix to destroy him and turn the Earth's core into a typical planet core, which will obviously save the human race and every other living thing on the planet. As for Quintessa, I I don't have a clue where they're going to go with that. Uh, ultimately, well, Meg- Meg- Megatron will be working for Unicron, and it'll be like, I've always worked yeah. for Unicron. He's <laughs> um, <laughs> worked for everybody. It's like they just need to establish the point where they've destroyed all evil. Maybe an Autobot city is finally built somewhere on Earth, and the governments finally work together to just keep everything normal <laughs> as normal as it is in this crazy universe they're gonna have to pay you uh you know writers guild like scale <laughs> hammer like you just kind of yeah wrote their whole script for them yeah i don't know where they're going with it it's just gonna i don't think this one will be very good well we'll have to see there's one thing that i i, I have to put in there towards the end of this movie like like right at the end they always had that little stinger from from optimus where he's like, I invite all of my Autobot brothers to come mm-hmm. to Earth. It's like, stop doing that! 
Like you have just established throughout this whole movie that like the entirety of Earth wants Transformers the hell out of there. Like they are hunting them on sight. It is like instant. It is their presence is illegal. <laughs> Stop sending out those messages, telling more of you guys to come to Earth. They're they're all afraid to tell them. Like they're like Prime. Like can you can you please like. Not do that, maybe. There's, yeah. There's, in the 40 minutes of cutscenes, it's actually showing Lennox. He he disconnected the internet, so Optimus's message never went out, but he still <laughs> sent it. Even yeah. in the second movie, the the bureaucrat guy was like, "Did you tell a bunch of giant alien robots to come to Earth? Could you have maybe run that past us before you sent it out into space?" Like, wow, you know, Walter Peck in Transformers kind of has a point. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have done that yeah um, like we, we've been going on about continuity errors left and right here one of the biggest things that I guess stood out for me is this whole thing of at the end of Age of Extinction we take out Cemetery Wind obviously the United States government has to become aware of everything that Kelsey Grammer etc had just pulled and killed off how many Autobots and yet, at the beginning of this film, we now have the TRF, in which William Lennox is a part of, but everyone that he's working with is basically a dick that wants to continue killing any Transformer they come across. And you would think that after all this time, that something was established to, to mean that, hey, the Autobots are the good guys, stop touching them. But then you also have, like I said, uh, Stanley Tucci's character, Joshua Joyce, is nowhere to be seen. Kate Yeager is, for some reason, a wanted fugitive that can't even speak to his daughter, who's probably using an alias in college. And the whole thing is just one big mess. Like, Michael Bay, tell us what the hell happened between these two films. Why are we seeing what we're seeing? Uh, <laughs> that actually um, reminds me, that the moment when the TRF is fighting with Bumblebee... And Lennox comes out and he recognizes Bumblebee. He's like, hey, guy, guy, guys, stop. This is a good one. That, that actually was a nice moment for Lennox, I feel. Like, uh, that justified him being in the movie because he's been there. He knows who they are. But again, that nice moment is ruined by a whole bunch of other bad moments. So it's <laughs> this whole movie, to sum it up, is like a bunch of micro moments that are okay and show some potential in the story. And then they're just ruined by bad writing, bad continuity, bad everything. Like it just every the dick and fart jokes just overshadow everything else. Oh, at least we didn't get too much of that this time around. Mm -hmm. Did we have how like blow up a car or something with his flatulence? I, I, I swear that happened. I, don't I wouldn't remember. be surprised if it did. I might have blocked that from my memory, yeah, but yeah, I'm sure it did. Ha something to that effect did happen. Yeah, um, as I said, with when we did Age of Extinction three years ago, I was saying, could they do a Transformers movie without the uh, the, the hot girl? Because, uh, well, the whole thing of first you had Michaela, then Carly, and now Tessa from the last movie, and it's like, okay, all these three with the exception of Carly, they're mostly there for their looks. Yes, Carly, we're focusing on Rosie's legs and everything. Like, the very first shot of Rosie in the third film is of her butt in leather panties or something. But then when you have this film, it's like, okay, Michael Bay maybe just got the hint a little bit. So 
when we see Vivian, she's pretty sophisticated throughout, with the exception of the one time where she's in the dress and her cleavage is hanging out, and they decide to make a joke about that. Then Isabella, who, again, I, I don't really feel like the character was even necessary, especially her little Autobot partner, Squeaks, who I found utterly useless. Like, he never transforms, he never talks, he has one little heroic moment toward the end of the final battle, and other than that, why was the character there? Why I, was Isabella there? I honestly forgot Squeaks existed until you just mentioned him. Mm-hmm. And then, again, regarding the whole thing of the hot girl, I found it a little odd that they would cast Isabella, considering that she is uh, 15, playing a 14-year-old, and while she's not on screen all that much, there are points at the well when she's introduced on screen that they do kind of focus on her looks but then they focus on her character later it's like okay this is a little weird that you're focusing on the body of a much younger character than you typically do it's like okay michael bay what are you doing here why this is coming from the director who dedicated an entire scene in the last movie to explain why it's okay to be with an underage girl yeah, that w- that was weird. That was really weird. And even in this one again, you have uh, I I called him Arnold from the Magic School Bus when Isabella. Is oh first. yeah, he did. It, yeah, when when Isabella is introduced, you have Arnold uh, hitting on her for like five minutes, and eventually she's like, "Stop it! You can basically consider this Autobot my boyfriend." Okay, uh, <laughs> like God, why did they have to do that? Uh, of course, it's Michael Bay. Of course. I liked the actress, I liked the character, but the character wasn't needed. She she kind of, like, I, I thought she was going to be, like, the protagonist of this movie, and Cade was going to be, like, a, you know, an Obi-Wan Kenobi to her or whatever. But she yeah, kind of, like... She kind of, like, vanishes from the movie at a certain point and doesn't show up until the end. And then she yeah, really... The... She really has no place on that battlefield. She just sneaks aboard because she's, like, spunky and whatever, and, like, we're supposed to think that, but it's just kind of silly and, like you know, very foolhardy and dangerous of her to sneak along. Yeah, the the commercials don't really focus on Laura Haddock's character of Vivian, so I assumed that Isabella was going to be the primary female lead, but she isn't. Bah. You can never assume anything about about these movies from the trailers because nothing matters. Mm. Oh, that was a really cool moment in the trailer. Nah. Oh, well, surely this must be a main plot point of the movie. Nope. Oh, they're really pushing this. This character squeaks. He must be like like the new Bumble. Nope. Nope. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of sad that you could probably squeeze all the coolest moments from like one of these movies into a trailer. Into a yeah. And, um, only other thing we really haven't talked about, I guess, is the dragon. <laughs> oh yeah. There was a dragon um, in it. Yeah. What? Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> there is a very large uh, Autobot combiner, or uh, I guess. He has no real direct affiliation, but uh, they call this thing Dragonstorm. In the movie, there's like 12 or more Cybertronian knights that combine into this thing. When it comes to the toys, it's a little more uh, downplayed. You have the one-step leader class thing that's like just one-to-one. You have the combiner that's like leader class, I think, which is two Voyagers together. But, yeah, in the movie, you have um, at least a dozen different knights that form this thing. And even after the knights get killed off, they continue to form it. 
but I guess it just decreases in size slightly. Um. I kind of like we we were talking about how that Decepticon intro scene kind of like uh, bit off Suicide Squad. I kind of feel like the dragon was kind of like, oh, Game of Thrones is really popular. Let's have a dragon in this movie or something <laughs> like. I don't know. It's, I feel like he, he was just kind of biting off a bunch of like popular things. Stands that Michael Bay has not wanted to actually do these movies since the first one. So I don't really blame him for being like, oh, okay, just give me some dragons. Those are cool. Uh, get, get me a little kid. Just stick a kid in there. Sure. And we got to we got to have a we got to have a BB-8 like type guy. So that squeaks. Oh, there you go. Yeah. These mm-hmm. movies are so formulaic. Like it's they because you, you, you're hitting the nail on the head. They're taking stuff that they saw kind of worked in other movies and said, let's just throw that in there. And I, I mean, I was having this argument at work after I saw it. I was just complaining about the movie, and everyone's like, "Well, that's what that's what we go to see it for. Like we go to see you know giant robots kicking each other the crap out of each other. We don't care if there's a plot." I'm like. Well, if you're going to go see it anyway, why can't they put a plot in it? Like, why can't they put character development? Why can't they make a good script? Put a little effort into that portion of it. But but they don't want to do that because they're just going for the quick, easy buck. These movies are not for fans. They are for a general audience, which to me is insulting to a general audience, but whatever. It's weird that these are like the only adaptations that – do well with the general audience. I mean, every they say, oh, well, if it's going to do well, it's 80s nostalgia. But none of the other 80s nostalgia movies got that. I mean, almost all of them were either uh, failures or epic failures. But, oh, the Transformers movies, except for this one, they just it's, keep bringing in more and more people. See, I don't, I don't know if that's, like, a testament to the movies or, like, just the... the uh, general love for transformers in general like i don't know if like you know nostalgia for transformers is so strong that they're just like you know people just have these vague memories and then they go see these movies and they're like oh yeah that was just like the the cartoon that i barely remember i, mean, I don't even, know i watched you would have thought that gi joe would have been the much easier sell but <laughs> you would think michael bay would have a much happier time like shooting gi joe movies what with all his like i said like military like masturbatory shots and all that but mm-hmm. yeah michael bay probably would have done a really good gi joe movies like all right so you just get like military guys oh and uh there's a fucking ninja and it's like oh okay yeah yeah <laughs> thank you thank you all you yeah, will, but I actually like the second G.I. Joe movie, so... Yeah, the, the second one is actually not too bad, yeah. I think I The Rock sold it, but... Yeah, except for friggin' Rizza is Snake Eyes' master. Like, he was pretty awful. Like, with his fake, mm-hmm. his fake gray, like, uh, add-on eyebrows and stuff. And <laughs> his, his riveting performance. Snake Eyes, you are part of the Arasha Kage clan! Like, uh, uh, Oh, God. Well, I saw um, the new Power Rangers movie finally last night. I watched it, and uh, I enjoyed that way more than this movie. So, yeah. Go see Power bought, Rangers. I bought it on Tuesday. I have to pop it in. Yeah. I, I, well, I, would, I would say, like, like, Power Rangers probably has a pretty powerful, like, nostalgia, like, hook to it. Like, see maybe. what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm still sad it. Did very poorly at the box office, only 140 million. Um, only, yeah, like worldwide. Worldwide, 
Oh, oh wow. Well, um, like yesterday, so maybe I can always contribute a little bit to that. It, it wasn't that bad. It was good, actually. And I, yeah. I, I found it fun. This yeah. movie was not fun. For the most part, I did hear good reviews, so that's why I'm confused about how much it's been making. It's really sad that, yeah, like everyone just kind of assumed, oh, it's going to be the worst of the the cheap nostalgia Transformers type things. We don't mm-hmm. need to see this. And then you sit down and watch it and you're like, wow, like the suits look kind of goofy, but like this is really good. Like all of the characters are fleshed out. It has a coherent story. Yeah, they made changes from the source material, but I mean, they kept the, the spirit right where it should have been. And I'm like, wow, like I don't, I didn't think it wasn't that. I legitimately liked that movie. I thought it was really, really good. They even took the time in Power Rangers to make fun of Transformers, which I appreciated. So, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a really great mirrored or, or parallel history between like Power Ranger fandom and the Transformers fandom, and like Power Rangers tends to be about ten years behind. And it's really interesting to see. Oh well, now they've made like the big crazy movie that a lot of the hardcore fans hate, but you know was popular with re- uh, reviewers and. That's that's happening again. But don't don't tell Power Ranger fans that they they hate those comparisons. Mm. Well, I mean, I can speak from growing up. I loved Transformers, but I came into it a little bit late. Once the show was finally off air, Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers after that were the ones that filled that hole for me. You know, it was just I needed giant robots. Ninja Turtles doesn't have that. But like they were the only other cartoon I could really watch at the time, I feel. And Power Rangers, though, when I first saw it, I was blown away. I'm like, oh, the Megazord, that's like the Combiners from Transformers. Cool, I'll watch this. Like, you know, it was... I I still have a little bit of nostalgia for Power Rangers. I don't Um, get as insulted, though, when it comes to Transformers being butchered like they are in these movies. I think that the Power Rangers movie made me dislike The Last Night more than maybe I would have if it hadn't been so enjoyable. Like, if it was like okay, it's, a, it's another Michael Bay movie. I know what I'm getting. Ah, all right, there, there was some good stuff, but actually watching Power Rangers be just a, a joy to watch. It's like, oh, wow, no, this, this could have been so much better. Yeah, the Ninja Turtles movie was a lot better than this. You heard me. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I would back that. Well, I, I think those, like, the, the Turtles movies, like, had a little less, like, I feel like the Transformers movies have a bit of like shame about like the the fran- like you know the 80s like franchise from which they spring where it's kind of like you know okay like it's a fucking cartoon but look we've got girls and you know and explosions and guns and stuff so it's cool now like but I don't know like Ninja Turtles like even the last one it's like oh here's the Technodrome and here's Krang and here's like all this stuff like here's Bebop and Rocksteady like we're not afraid to show it they embrace the the past these movies do not they try to they they, they make them under the guise that they are updating them for a modern audience but in reality they're just pumping out crap and hoping they're going to make money and they do which is the sad part yeah, if you can find them online, um, there's Ninja Turtles Mutations figures out right now. Um, the turtle mode looks like the current cartoon, and then they can transform into their weapons. Yeah, there's no Donatello, though, so you can only settle for <laughs> the other three. Donatello always gets shafted. 
Uh, Splinter, what about me? What the? What? I totally forgot about you. Uh, don't tell me. Uh, George O'Keefe. It's Donatello. That doesn't sound right. I named all of you after great Renaissance artists. George O'Keefe wasn't a Renaissance artist. She painted flower vaginas. What's my specialty? I don't know. Uh, you can uh, do machines, right? I guess so. I don't really know what that means. Then it's settled, nerd. You do machines. Really? They couldn't have him turn into a stick? That was too hard? Apparently, but the Michelangelo toy does turn into nunchuck. Just a single nunchuck? I think so, yeah. <laughs> you gotta get two you have to them. buy two of them. Two Michelangelos to get a full nunchucks. Between the Turtle movies being better than expected and, and Power Rangers being just... I, I really liked it. Watching the last night is like, oh... This could have been so much better. Yeah, like but, like, like yeah. I said, I had certain expectations after hearing about, like, you know, seeing trailers and hearing about plot elements that were going int- to be introduced. And I don't think any of those expectations were met. Yeah, my initial feelings after seeing The Last Night, I placed it as my number two film out of the series. Right now, so, I think it's sitting at number three, with uh, Dark of the Moon having gone back up to second. I, I would have to I, say the I, best I, part of seeing this movie was my friend bribing me with this excellent Titans Return topspin figure. Uh, <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying that, um, but unfortunately, every time I look at him, I'm going to remember the last night. <laughs> Topspin's like, never forget the price you paid for me. <laughs> Does anybody else think that maybe Cogman should have been Minimus Ambus? Yes. <laughs> that would have been awesome, yeah. That's another thing. It's like, you know, like another one of those like cheapo like uh, mythology nods that didn't go anywhere where, you know, Anthony Hopkins is like, you know, oh, he's a headmaster. And I'm like, oh, is he going to like, I thought he was going to combine with, you know, Sir Anthony Hopkins car or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nope. That never happened. I think I I, I always consider that like a failure when you, you do a Transformers thing and the Transformer doesn't actually like transform like. I mean, uh, ac- action masters aside, it's like, I, I don't know, something intrinsically wrong when you don't have the Transformer transform at some point. But, uh, yeah, like, any other, like, pressing, like, final thoughts before we, like, wrap this up? I feel like the Transformers movies, this one especially, is kind of like a trip to the doctor for a checkup. Like, you don't want to go, you know, it's going to be kind of pleasant, but it's going to be better for your long-term health. Since since the last Transformers movie has come out, we've got things like Masterpiece Star Saber. Uh, we've got the best Transformer comics that have ever been published, even if they're not as good as maybe they were a few years ago. We've got this amazing Devastator, a great Fortress Maximus in three different variations. Uh, the Titans Return toys, the Combiner Wars stuff. Yeah. Um, it's like a- this, this not-so-great movie is maybe the price that we have to pay for all of the really, really good stuff that we are enjoying. Right yeah, now. like, we, yeah. we can never deny that, that these aren't healthy for the franchise as a whole. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thankful for Combiner Wars, because I love it so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, as long, Wait, as the as toys of the show? <laughs> the, yeah. the toys, yes, okay, definitely good. the toys. <laughs> I had respect for your air hammer. I want to keep it. <laughs> we were, yeah, um, Kevin, you, you, you never saw that Combiner Wars show? 
Uh, well, after you guys warned me about it, of course I had to check it out. And oh no! <laughs> yeah, it was like kind of like it's entirely avoidable. Like don't don't pain yourself. But yeah, I, I watched it for about two minutes. And I was like, you know what? Mm, no, there's that'll there's be the next Transformers Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we we we've done a, a Transformers Tuesday on Combiner Wars where we ripped it several new assholes. But uh, yeah, no, <laughs> that that's get, apparently getting a sequel. Like they're doing a Titans Return, like too late again sequel or something. Like it's funny because like that that came out right when Combiner Wars ended and Titans Return started. So that means, like, the Titans Return thing will, like, you know, come out probably when Titans Return the toy line ends. So they're they're plugging the toys that are, like, years to date. They combine into larger, more interesting assholes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's, like, the fan holes uh, motto. Or a bunch of assholes who combine into more interesting assholes. I don't know. I don't, know where, I don't know where I'm going with that motto. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that analogy. Or that, that yeah, whatever, but... Um, yeah, so I, I think that's gonna be it for the discussion on the last night. Like, uh, I, I actually thought we were gonna have more positive things to say about it, but I, I guess, you know, we, we really, most of us did not really care for it, and, uh, maybe that's a sign that, like, these movies need to move in a, like, well, obviously they should have moved in a new direction, like, three or four movies ago, but, like, maybe this is finally time that, you know, maybe, hopefully, Michael Bay will be able to say no to Transformers 6 and, like, whatever money he was going to rake in with it and let someone else have a try and maybe, you know, got to inject a little more life into the movie franchise. And I, I honestly don't have any confidence that the Bumblebee spinoff will do that, but, you know, I'd love to be surprised, so, but, uh, I'd just like to thank you guys for, like, showing up, because, like I said, uh, I couldn't get the other fan holes to watch these. Like, I think, like, maybe Grimlock had, had seen some of them, but I know, like, Derek has, has... Derek has impressed me by, like, swearing never to watch any of these ever, and I think I think he <laughs> saved himself a lot of, like, trouble and pain, basically, by doing so. But, yeah, so, like, I thank you guys for, like, you know, being on the show, and uh, you guys are always welcome to be on an, uh, fan holes, like, in any incarnation we definitely got to work up some, you know, crossovers with, you know, Jan and Zach's shows. I mean, and and speaking of, like, like Jan, like, do you want to plug something? Like, what are you on right now, and where can people find it? Uh, sure, yeah, we have Animated Indulgence, where grown men talk cartoons. You can find us on YouTube under Animated Indulgence. For Twitter, it's at Men Talk Cartoons. For Facebook, you can find us at uh, Animated Indulgence. And, yeah, we just love to have fun watching all these crazy programs and showing <laughs> what we enjoy from our youth and so forth. Like, a lot of these programs we're just seeing for the first time. Others we're sharing with each other. And uh, next up, we're doing G1 Transformers for our, for our Episode 7. So that will be uh, fun to look forward to. Sweet. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Like I, like I said, I had listened to your Yu-Gi-Oh show like uh, a couple days ago, and I, like I was laughing my ass off where you guys were like, <laughs> you know, like uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the one with the stupid hair? Well, that doesn't narrow it down at all. But uh, 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 Tristan, you were like Tristan's Tristan. like a terrible character. Like he has no. I was kind of laughing because I'm like, you're right, he is. Like. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, in any case, uh, like Zach, like what are you on? Like, where, what do you, what, where, if people want to hear your sexy voice again, where can they go? 
I don't know how sexy it is, but uh, if you want to hear more from me uh, right now, uh, I'm on and host and I run the Board with Friends podcast where we talk about hobby gaming and all different board games and embrace that kind of atmosphere. I've kind of unplugged myself from the video game world and just mainly play board games. I have a varying hosts on that show, and you can find us on the Board with Friends podcast uh, on Twitter at Board with Friend, on Facebook, Board with Friends, and our website is boardwithfriends.blogspot.com. Sweet. Thank you. I got to come to one of those like game nights of yours at, at some point. Like, like I said, yes, like you I, do. Yeah. Like, the like crossover. I, yeah. You are, you are still the only bot talker I have met like face to face. So like we're, <laughs> we're, we're in the same region. So yeah. But, uh, um, and finally, uh, Kevin, like what, what, what do you want to plug? Like what, where, where can people see or hear from you? Oh, I'm on Twitter at hobby drifter and I've just started a new YouTube series where I, answer questions that people have about uh, Japan. Anything that people want to know about uh, gaming or hobbying or visiting or living in Japan, uh, I do my best to give you an answer. Nice. Cool. Super helpful, like, as always. Yes. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, this has been uh, Fan Holes Transformers Tuesdays. Uh, we have, like, tons of other, I think we're, we're our, our, the Fan Holes continuity is extremely muddled and in need of a reboot or a soft relaunch because we have tons of, like, spinoff shows and uh, we've got our regular show, we've got Toku Thursdays, Sentai Saturdays, uh, Comic Books Motherfucker, Do You Read Them? And uh, what else do we have? Still oh, my favorite title. <laughs> yeah, we've got Big in Japan, which focuses on anime, uh, and Transformers Tuesdays. and Oh, and uh, Mobile Suit Mondays, which focuses on Gundam. So we've got like six or seven spinoffs now. And uh, yeah, you can find us uh, in places, I think. I don't know. Like The others are so much better at plugging our own stuff. I'm only good at like prodding answers out of other people but yeah you so, guys are like, running out of days of the week for your shows yeah i know right like we, we <laughs> and we're running out of alliteration yeah basically like, <laughs> but i'm just gonna say this is mike like signing off why don't you guys like sign off yawn hey this is yawn Airhammer, and i'll see you guys in dvnr and bot talk kevin hey this is kevin the hobby drifter thanks for listening and uh take care and zach yeah this is zach thanks for listening uh Come listen to Board with Friends. I, I need more listeners. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
tried begging too. It doesn't. It doesn't usually work. It's like, please listen to us. We need. We Van Hole said we have like three hundred. Like on uh, what do you call? A couple of weeks ago, I was hanging out with like some of my family, and they were like, you know, like, oh, like how how long have you been doing your podcast? And I'm like, oh, we've been doing it for like six or seven years now. And it's like, oh, like how many episodes do you have? Like, oh, we have over three hundred episodes. And they're like, oh, how many people listen to them? And I'm like, I think we got, like, ten listens on the last episode. Like, it was a like, Ooh, record. Yeah, double it was, digits! Yeah, it was, like, it was like a record high. I was like, we've got, like, six iTunes reviews. Like, man, like, we're up there. That's six more than I got. I guess iTunes reviews are, like, the thing to get. Because that's how you get, like, you, like you, the star rating up. And, like, it gets, your, your show gets, like, pushed to the top of the, like, searches or whatever. But... I don't yeah, know. The problem is I hate Apple products, so I never look at iTunes. <laughs> yeah, like I have iTunes, but it is kind of. Uh, they want it to be intuitive, but it's not. Like I guess I guess my mind just doesn't work the way they think, you know, people's minds work. But it also feels tacky reviewing your own show just to get a rating on there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've done it. I, I've I've, <laughs> I've written into iTunes and been like, "Fan Holes is the bomb, yo! Like it's the best show ever." And you're not a real man if you don't listen to it. So, signed like Joe Q. Public. I love doing like Victor Curley impressions, like just because I don't the guy, especially when he does like the Transformer commercials. He's like so pumped yeah. up for it. He's like, "This is Jetfire. He's the best motherfucking toy you'll ever buy, kids." <laughs> like, a new Optimus Prime is here. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, dude. Come it's on, like, it can't be that great.